This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in a wrestling match with God while He's trying to remove the hurt and scars in our life. Today, we learn how to stop wrestling and start partnering with God so He can accomplish His good plan for our lives. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now for the message, God is the Wrestling Champ. Let us begin this morning by saying good morning to everybody. What a great day it is. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us be glad for what God has done. Let us be glad for what God has brought us through throughout this week. Let us be glad for his provision, his protection, the peace that we enjoy, the life, the love, the, his keeping power of keeping us and keeping our families safe and strong and well. We bless his name for that. We give him glory and honor and praise because we realize that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. That is nothing that we did in and of ourselves. It is God, it is God that has blessed us. It is God that has kept us. It is God that has showered us with mercy by not giving us what we deserve. It is God that showered us with grace by giving us his power, his anointing, his ability, his strength to make it through whatever we face throughout this week. It was the wisdom of God, not our knowledge, not our intelligence, not our education, and not who we are that help us to make it. It was God that navigated us through the week we just faced. Let us continue praying for our nation as we are in transition or should be in transition from one president to another. But according to the news, it's not being done. So we need to pray for the safety of our nation. We need to pray for the leader that's in position now that he would yield to God and, and do what's right and proper for our nation. We need to pray against all the groups that are rising up to war against what they, what he is telling them an illegitimate election, an election that was not justly done. So we need to pray for God to intervene and to work and to move in these situations that God will, God will show himself strong on behalf of his people. God will show himself strong in the midst of this dark time in our nation. As the news has also reported that we are 246,000 plus Americans have died from COVID-19. We can look at that and just thank God that we hadn't lost anybody enough in our immediate family and even in our church family. We bless God for that. But there, the, the, the disease is on the rise. It's, it's the second or third wave of the disease that's attacking our nation. We need to continue to pray for those that are sick, those that are hospitalized, we need to pray for our hospital system, our, our medical system, because it's being overrun and consumed. We don't have enough doctors, the, the, the healthcare workers don't have enough PPE to, to, to protect themselves. We need to pray for the frontline workers and, and their families, because they are putting, putting themselves at risk so that others can actually live, so that we can live so that they can help those that are sick and, and those that are going through this difficult day and time. We need to pray, God, for those that are unemployed, still millions upon millions of people that are unemployed and out of work. We need to ask our God to meet their needs for the discouraged, the, the depressed, those that are dealing with this situation and are not certain on how to deal with it that's really having a hard time. And something that just came in my heart is 
we need to pray for those that are contemplating suicide because they, they feel helpless and hopeless and feel like quitting and feel like giving up and feel like there is no hope and there's no reason to live and to go on. <clears throat> we need to ask God to help and have mercy in these situations and with these people. We need to pray concerning the vaccine that they are close to getting done. We need to pray for God to help them to bring it to a place where it'll be safe for people to take, that there will be no great loss from the vaccine, that it'll, be, uh, it'll work and do what, only what it's intended to do. We need to pray against the side effects that, mo that come with most, most medications and ask God to work, to move, and to intervene. We need to pray for the church. The church is, I believe, going through a difficult and hard time right now because we're not, we don't have the ability to gather together. I don't know if any of you have felt the effects of it or known the effects of it, but we have, <clears throat> it is difficult on us when we are not able to gather together like we normally do. We've lost touch, we've lost contact, and we've, in a, to a certain degree, we've lost some of the fellowship that we've had. And Satan is seeking to divide the church because our power is in unity. Our power is in unity. Everything God said is, is related to unity. If any two on earth would agree as touching anything, they shall last. One can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Pray ye one for another. And all of this, all of this God is trying to get us to be one. He, he prayed for us in John 17. He said, make, uh, make them one as you and I are one. He said that three times in that chapter that he desired for the church to be one. This is a challenge for us to stay unified and to stay a body and to stay connected in the things so, so that we can be effective in the world. This is, a, this is an opportunity for us to grow as individuals, but it's also an opportunity for us, for the devil to separate us and divide us. Many people have, to a certain degree, left the church. And, and when I say left, I mean left altogether. And, and I, I'll say this to you, it, it's easy to get in a comfort zone. It's going to be hard once we do God, we, we are allowed to come back together. It's going to be hard to get people to come back to church to a certain degree. Some people have gotten comfortable with home church and internet church and podcast and all the things that we do. So we need to continue to lift up the body of Christ, that we would stay that strong unit, that powerful unit that God intended for us to be. It won't be destroyed because, because God himself said, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God said they wouldn't win. It wouldn't, the gates of hell wouldn't win. They cannot succeed. I know people are saying that the devil is succeeding in keeping us from coming together, but God cannot be defeated, and God's purpose and plan cannot be destroyed or torn down unless God allows it to be so. Today we want to. I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the the world, the world heavyweight champion. The the world heavyweight wrestling champion, we'll say, and I want to say that that is God. God is the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. He's never be de been defeated. He's never lost a match, and. I, I say that, and, and it takes me back. And this, this will probably tell some people how old I am, but it takes me back to the time when we only had three, nine, and twelve, and and every Saturday we used to watch. Uh, <clears throat> we used to watch the wrestling. We used to watch uh, Fred Ward Promotions coming out of Columbus, Georgia, and, and from time to time we had the privilege of going to the wrestling matches. And we would have, we, would, we had people like Ric Flair and Dusty Rose and Bill Drummond and 
Bob Armstrong and the Assassins and Abdullah the Butcher and, and a bunch of those men were wrestlers, well-known wrestlers, Tony Atlas. And, and we, we, had, we, we used to enjoy watching it. And, and if anybody tried to tell us that it wasn't real, they had to wrestle with us because we believed that it, it, it to be real. Later on in life, I realized that it wasn't so, it was entertainment. But I always seen in the wrestling that the championship belt would, would, would just go from person to person. Nobody never really retained the belt for a certain, for a long period of time. It just went around from person to person. And, 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 and in each match, the goal was, was to get the other, get your opponent, hold him down for, for a three count. If you could hold his, two, hold his shoulders down until the referee hit the mat three times, you were declared the winner. I, I said that just to say this, that God has been declared the winner in every wrestling match that he's entered into. God is at work in the negative to attack a flaw in our personality. And mo in most cases, that, 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 that flaw in our personality is self-sufficiency. It is us believing that we can be God without God. I said that last week that we somewhat find ourselves independent, trying to live independent of God, but yet dependent upon God. We want him when we want him. We, we want him to come when we call him. Other than that, we want him to stay out of our lives. In every one of us, there's a flaw that's rooted in independence of God, and God is seeking to get it out of our lives. It's the thing that keeps us from being, doing, and receiving God's best for us. Sometimes we have to be broken in order for God to get our attention, or we have to come to the end of ourselves to even begin with God. The first thing I want you to note is that we are three parts. We, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 where Paul prayed that your whole, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul acknowledges that we are three part. We are, we are a spirit. You know, when I look at you, what I'm, what I'm looking at is not you because you are a spirit that is contained or living inside of a body, and you actually have a soul. The purpose of our spirit is to allow us to function with God. This is how we truly connect with God. Now, if you remember last week also, I talked about, that, that about, about God being in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith in the inner man. God literally connects with us in our spirit. Now, the purpose of our soul, our soul is to relate to ourselves and and make us aware of our surroundings. If you remember in the book of Genesis, when the Bible talked about Adam, when God created Adam from the dust of the ground, and the Bible says that God breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. In other words, he became aware of his surroundings. He, he, he was alert. He was aware of what was going on on the earth. It, it gave him a connection to himself, and it gave him a connection to God. And then we have a body. Now, our body is, allows us to relate to the world through our five physical senses. It allows us to relate to, our, to, our, to the world through our five physical senses. Now, if you want to tie all that together, I want you to see it this way. I want you to see that God is in your spirit. God, we, we relate to God through our spirit, I'll say. And when we relate to God through our spirit, in order for it to manifest in our body, 
in order for it to manifest in our lives, it has to go through the soul. And that's where Romans 12, 2, and Ephesians 4, 23, uh, Romans 12, 2 said, you know, it says that you be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, we have to renew our mind, which is the mind is actually a part of the soul. You know, that the mind is where we, we think, we feel, and we decide. So, based on what's in the mind, we make decisions and choices. But also, based on what's in the mind, it determines what, a, what, what, what is allowed to pass through to manifest in the body. In other words, what I'm saying is, God will speak to us in our spirit. He'll speak to us in our spirit. And, and a lot of times, God speaks through our mind. Thoughts come into our mind. That, that's God speaking. But here's the issue. If there is a scar... If there is a, 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 some damage in the soul, then what God says will be hindered. It won't be allowed to flow through. And, 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 and my soul won't agree with it, which I, the scripture I quoted earlier about unity, if any two on earth would agree, if my spirit and my soul agree, then my body truly has to come in line because it's been overruled. It's been overruled. The body has to submit to what's in what comes from the soul so if I if God speaks to me and then there is let's say there's no information in my soul in other words I hadn't renewed my soul to the word of God then my soul will do a search to try to find something to match what God has just said and if I have not renewed it or placed that information in then my soul will reject the word that was just spoken. And then it's, it's just in my spirit. I believe this is why people can give their lives to Christ and their lives never really change. Okay? So, but if there are scars in my soul, then the same process takes place. My soul resists or rejects that information from God and we are the same. We remain the same. You know, we, we're born with a, with a scarred soul. Sin has scarred our soul. And if you read Psalms 51, when Dave, David was in repentance, he said, I was shaped in iniquity, in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. A lot of folks say we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but basically saying the same thing. We were born flawed. And then you have to understand, some of it actually came from our parents. Some of it came, some of, some of it was, uh, uh, came, it came from our parents. Now, we didn't, we didn't just receive looks from our parents. We actually saw them do things, and we were told and taught things by our parents, and therefore, we actually were scarred by our parents. I don't think none of this was intentional, but it's just they did the best that they could with what they knew, and even their lives were scarred. So scarred people produce scarred people. In other words, that's why God had to send Jesus because no man could die for the sin of the world because he was contaminated with sin. It had to be a perfect sacrifice in order for God to accept it. And some of this is it's increased by things that happened to, happen to us. Circumstances that overwhelm us, things that hurt us, wrong done to us and wrong done by us. It breathes an independence of God. It breathes something in us that makes us not want to rely and depend on God. But when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, the, human, the Holy Spirit invades our human spirit. And then he goes to work on the inside to help get rid of the scars also creating or using external circumstances. He'll use external circumstances. I didn't say that God will create them, but God will use them. And this is the only way to bring the body in line with God, to bring 
God glory and us good. I remember this, that God wants to break us only so that he can remake us. Today we want to look at Genesis chapter 32. And in Genesis chapter 32, you'll note that God is seeking to break Jacob. God is seeking to break Jacob. Now, when we name our children, we name them names because pretty much, for the most part, very few people think about what the name means, but we name them because we like the name and we somehow think the name may be fitting to that person. So, but in the Bible, a name has meaning. They name the person based upon the character. And you note that when God wants to change the character of a person, he changes their name. He changes what he calls them. Because let me say this to you, whatever somebody calls you, if you start the answer to it, you'll become it eventually at some point in time. So he names, he, 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 he's, he's dealing with Jacob and Jacob's name. His name means trickster, heel grabber, deceiver. And his name actually fits his character. And that's why names were given. His, they were given names to fit their character. Also in chapter 32, you will note that Jacob is in trouble with his brother. If you, if you remember the story that he sold, his brother sold his birthright for some of Jacob's pottage, soup, or whatever it was he had made. And he sold his birthright, <clears throat> gave up his birthright for food. Jacob was the deceiver. He knew his brother. He knew what it would take to, to get his birthright. And he tricked him. And now he's, he, he's, he, he's, he's fearful of his brother. He's feeling that his brother is angry with him and coming to kill him. In, in Genesis 32, beginning with verse Number six, it says, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. Verse seven, it says, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels in two bands. In other words, Jacob said, let me separate the, these people so that they won't all get killed together. They won't, all, they won't all get killed and literally die together. And then we skip down to verse 9, and verse 9 says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which, which said is unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I want you to understand that now Jacob is calling on God. He's calling on God. He's, he's appealing to God to help him. And in verse, that's, that's verse number nine. And then verse 10, he said, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff, I passed over this Jordan and now I am become two bands. He appeals to God in verse Number 11, he says, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and, and the mother with the children. He's making an open acknowledgement. He's petitioning God. And in this, he's recognizing his worth. He's, he's being straight up and honest with God. He's telling God the truth. He's afraid of his brother. He's scared that God is going to, he's, he's scared that his brother is going to kill him. So he's, he's actually greatly concerned. And then in verse number, when you look at verse number 24, in verse number 24, this is what it says. It says, and Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, I want you to see, first off, that alone, it actually means that nothing he knows and nobody he knows 
can help him. Jacob has come to that place and that point in his life. And let me say this to you. I pray that God don't have to break us in order for us to come to that place and that point in our lives where we recognize and realize that nothing we know and nobody that we know can actually help us. Nothing we know and nobody that we know can literally help us in the situation that we're in. I want you to note also that he prays to God, and after his prayer, things get, get worse. What I, anybody can relate to that. It seems like the more I've heard people say, it seems like the more I pray, the worse it gets. Jacob was praying, and he was praying concerning his brother, and, and, and then all of a sudden, here, here comes a man. Here comes a man to wrestle with him. Here comes a man to wrestle with him in verse number 24. He's left alone and there wrestle a man with him until the breaking of the day. In other words, he wrestled with this man all night long. Hmm. Comes a man to wrestle. In verse 25, when the man saw, look, let me read verse 25. It says, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, I want you to see that in verse 25, it says, now when the man saw, now think about this now, the man saw that he was not prevailing against Jacob. He was not, Jacob was not yielding. Jacob wasn't quitting. He wasn't giving up. He was not broken. Think about that. Let me, ask them, let me ask this question and bring this to our lives. Bring this to where we are. How often have we wrestled and not realizing, that we'll get to that in a moment about the man, but how often have we been in a wrestling match and not willing to give up? We've had our shoulders on the mat for a two count, but somehow or another we get it up before that third count. We were in distress and in a lot of pain, but yet not enough for us to surrender to the man that we wrestle with. Not quitting, not giving up, not willing to be broken, not willing to yield like Jacob, not willing to surrender. But guess what? It only got worse. It only got worse. It only got worse. Because in verse 25 it says, now, he saw, when he saw he didn't prevail, he said, man, I got to break this man. I got I, I to gotta break this man and do, do some more breaking with him. I can't wrestle with him and get him to yield. I can't wrestle with him and get him to succeed, to, to give in. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't win with him. So now I have to do something else to him in order to break him. Let me say this now. God is willing to do what's necessary to break us so that we'll yield and surrender and allow him to, to change and heal the scars that he's trying to work on in our lives. It gets worse when you won't break. It gets worse when you won't break. And when God is wrestling with us, when God is striving with us, when God is doing things, trying to get us to see and to work with him and to cooperate and to allow his purpose and his plan to be fulfilled and allow him to heal what's broken in us. That's all he's trying to do. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to help us to see a flaw. He's trying to help us to see something that's wrong in us. But I want you to see in verse 26, verse 26, and, 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 and he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. But I want you to see that while Jacob is hurting, while he's hurting, he's still holding. He was still holding on. Now, I want you, I want you to understand that somewhere in this wrestling match, Something has changed. Something has changed. 
most of us, while we're hurting, we don't hold on to God like Jacob was doing. We don't hold on and ask for a blessing. We don't hold on and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The first thing we do when we're hurting is that we'll let God go. We'll walk away from God. We'll turn our backs on him. We'll blame him. We'll, we'll, we'll say he's the cause when he's trying his best to be the solution to what's going on in our lives. When he's using the situation to try to fix something that's broken on the inside of us. That's all God's doing. That's his whole purpose. That's his whole plan. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to remove the scars because he wants to bless you. He wants to work in you. And he went from fighting to asking for a blessing. When his strength was gone, he realized this is not just a man. When his strength was gone, when Jacob had nothing left to fight with, his strength was gone. His hip is out of joint. And he has nothing left to fight with. He realizes that this is just not a man. He has encountered God. And that's why he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Let me say this to you folks. Say that to yourself. Say that to God. I am not going to turn you loose. I am not going to walk away from you. I am not going to do what the devil is trying to get me to do. I'm not going to blame you for my mess. I'm not going to blame you for my situation and my circumstances. We got to come to the place where we do like David did. David cried out and he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. I want you to see that David was, David was in repentance. He was acknowledging who God was and who he really was. Okay? So I want us to continue to hold on in this thing with God. I want us to go from fighting to asking for a blessing. And we don't have to wait till our strength is gone. We, just, we, we have to realize now that we're, this wrestling match that we're in, we can't win it. That is not just with a man, even though it is a man that we see. We have to realize it is more than a natural battle. It's, a, it's spiritual. And we need not make the mistake, the hand of God for the hand of man. Understand this. You may be wrestling with a man, but dealing with God. God uses the physical to take you to, the, to a place that's spiritual. I want you to understand that you may be in a place where you think that you are dealing with natural people, natural men, natural situations and circumstances, but I want you to know that behind the scenes, you're dealing with God. There may be, I, I, I was talking to a family member yesterday, and, 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 and he was telling me about some situations, circumstances that's changed on his job, and and how he, he's tired of it, he's fed up with it, and so on and so forth. And I, and, I, and I started to tell him, and I thank God for the privilege and opportunity to be able to say what I said. But the, but the fact of the matter is this, and I told him this, that, that the, sometimes we get into a comfort zone. We get into a comfort zone, and we, want, don't, we don't want anybody to move anything. We don't even want people to come in our office and change the office around. We don't like new processes. We don't like new changes. We don't like new steps. We don't like anything to move when we found our groove. We found our comfort zone. But I want to say this, that God is going to continually and consistently rock your world. He's going to continually shake up where you are. He's going to, because if he don't, we'll stay the same until Jesus comes to get us. 
We'll get in a place of complacency. I believe that in the life of Joseph, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, Joseph had found a comfort zone. He was leading the house. He was over everything in the man's house except for his wife. And Joseph was getting comfortable being there. But God knew that he had to get him to another place. We look at the woman that cried rape and we want to blame her and say that was, man, that was so bad, that was so low down. And, and truthfully it was. But the truth of the matter is God had to get Jacob to the, had to get Joseph to the prison. He had to get him to the prison. Because he had to be in a certain place at a certain time. Let me say this to you folks. God is trying to get you somewhere. He's trying to get you somewhere and he's trying to get something to you. And the only way that he can do it is that he has to shake up things and wrestle with you. Don't ever think that you don't, he's, you're wrestling with a man, but you're dealing with God. It may be a supervisor. It may be a pastor. It may be a neighbor. It may be a friend. It may be a family member that you're struggling with. But understand this. You're not struggling with man. You're struggling with God. God uses the physical to take you to a place that's spiritual. And then we get to verse 27, chapter 32, Genesis 32, verse 27. Look at what he says. He said, now, he said, now, and he said unto him, talking to Jacob, what is thy name? What is your name? What is your name? Remember I said, Name means what? Character. Name means character. What was God literally asking him? He was asking him and trying to get him to see what is your character? What is your nature? Who are you? He was trying to get him to admit who he was when you're alone with God you gotta be honest with God we've given names sweet names pretty names nice names to sin alternative lifestyle chemical dependence that's just a a, a fancy name for a drug addict or alcoholic we named it disease instead of demons. We've given it cute names. But if you're going to get anywhere with God, you've got to admit who you are. You've got to tell him who you are. You've got to own up to who you are. Who are you? What is your name? What is the name of this thing that's plaguing you? What is the name of this scar? That's in your life. Is it discouragement? Is it fear? Is it depression? Is it self-pity? Is it self-pride? Is it lust? Is it greed? What is the character? What is your character? What is your true nature? What is this thing that's blocking your life and causing you not to see, succeed and go forth. Let me ask this question. Why is it that everywhere you go, the situations are the same? You encounter the same things everywhere you go. Why is that? It's because of a scar that's on the inside of you. Why do you leave one job, and then when you get to the next, it's almost the same situation played over again with different people. I'll tell you what God told me. He said, he said, there's one common denominator in all of these situations, and that, that common denominator is you. I've also said that you can't escape God. He said, he said David should put it this way, if I go to heaven, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I go to the farthest point in the north, he's there. He said, where can I flee from his presence and where can I go from his spirit there's nowhere you can go to get away from God so the, pro the thing of it is is instead of running from him and wrestling with him it is best to surrender to him and own up to what God is 
trying to do in you. Let me say this to you. It's painful, but it's, it's, it's for your good. It's painful, but it's the thing that God is trying to do to get you to where he wants you to be. It's hard. It's difficult. But God is in expectation of you doing great things. And great has a different definition for every person. Don't look at, when I say great things, don't consider great as to being what the world says great is. Great to God is to bring 10 people to Jesus. That might could be in a lifetime. So, verse 28 says this. After he said his name was Jacob, he faced who he was. Verse 26, he realized he was helpless and dependent. In verse 28, he says, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. The word Israel actually means prince with God. For as a prince thou hast had, thou hast thou, let me get, slow down. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Listen, you win when you're broken. You win when you surrender. You win when you submit. Listen what, listen what God is telling them. God is saying, man, I'm going to change. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change you from being a trickster. You from being a schemer. I'm going to change your life from you living independent of me to you living totally dependent upon me. He's going to change his name and change his character. He's going to experience God's leading. And then in verse 29, it says, And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And then it says, and he blessed him there. He blessed him there. I know sometimes you are not, may not, may not be sure. Sometimes it can be confusing. What's God and what's the devil? I, I, I've probably seen many times in my life where I've rebuked the devil and I was rebuking God. I thought it was the devil, but it was God working. Who are you? What is your name? Help me in this. You would think by now Jacob would know who he was, what his name was. You would think by now he would know. And he really did know because he asked for a blessing. He asked for a blessing. And then you look at verse number 30. It says, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Look at what he says now. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. I've seen God face to face. And my life has been preserved. Listen folks. This is what he's saying. He said I've been in close contact with God and survived. He's saying I, God saw me at my worst. And didn't take me out. He says I fought with him. And he kept me. I resisted him, and he stayed with me. And he didn't give me what I deserved. I rebuked him, but he didn't leave. I cursed him, and he still blessed me. I was angry with him, and yet he still loved me and had patience with me. He said, he said now, I've I seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I, in other words, you can't see God face to face and, and not die. And I want, you to, I want you to see that we've been in, you're in close contact with God. I was listening to a man teach last week, last Sunday afternoon on, on, on TV. And he said, if we could ever come to the realization that God is right here. 
He said, we don't have to conjure up something. We don't have to scream loud and try to call him down. We don't have to beg for him to come. He's here. He's omnipresent. He said it will be life-changing. You are encountering God. You are wrestling with God. You're resisting him. You're rebuking him. You're angry with him. You're cursing him. You're saying all kinds of things about him, and yet you're still alive. He's still feeding you. He's still staying up all night watching over you. He's still protecting you. He's still keeping your family. He's still keeping your job. He still every morning touches your body and let it work and function in health. He's still touching you at night and giving you enough peace so you can sleep. Even though you're resisting him and wrestling with him and won't surrender to him, he's still loving you. Right on. And then it says in verse 31, and as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. And in, and in, 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 in and years later, years later, he was still limping. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, it said Jacob leaned upon his staff as he blessed both of Joseph's sons. In other words, years later, he was still dealing with the issue of this thigh. He was still dealing with his, his, his when, 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 when the, the angel or the man touched the hollow of his thigh, Jacob never recovered from it. But I'm sure when, you, when, 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 when the question was asked of Jacob, man, what's, what's, What's going on with that limp? Jacob could look at him and say, I'm blessed. Jacob would look at him and say, I know how much I need him. Every time, every time he thinks of that, that thigh, it helps him to remember his dependence upon God. When he looked at that thigh, when somebody asked him about that thigh, he said, I can't make it without him. When he looked at that thigh and he stood up on his hip, he, it kept Jacob humble. It kept him humble. And I want you to understand this. The blessing was not something new. It was not something new. It was a promise that God had already made to him but could not fulfill because of the scars that were in, that were in his soul. If you go back and look at, the, look at the promise, look at what he said to him. You look at the promise. He, 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 he told him, he said, he said, and thou sayest in verse 12, I will surely do to thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. This is an old promise. It was not new. But it had been delayed. It had been hindered. It had been blocked because of the scars that were in Jacob's soul. Because of Jacob being a trickster and a deceiver. He had worked his way through life. Lying, deceiving, tricking people. That's how he succeeds. And my question to you is, what are you using to succeed in life? We know how to manipulate, intimidate, and dominate people. We know how to get, the, get what we want from other people. We know what to use to get where we want to be. What are you using to get ahead in life? Is it your charming personality? Is it your education? Is it your knowledge? Is it something else that's on the inside of you that you know how to use to get people to do what you want them to do? Or are you trusting God? What God is promising to bless you with is what he already had for you. 
It is what he already had for you. It was not something new. What God wants to do for you is what he has already in the beginning when he formed you in your mother's womb and before the foundation of the world. It is what God had already pre-planned, pre-prepared for you. But because of our plans and our agenda and because of the scars that come into our lives, that come from our parents, that come from overwhelming circumstances, that come from wrong that we've done and wrong that's been done to us and all of these things that have happened to us, we are blocked from receiving God's best and doing the best for God. And God is on a consistent task of trying to get those things out of our way so that he can do what he planned to do in us and through us and for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. It's like the old piggy bank that we used to see long years ago. I know I always wanted one. And, you know, the old piggy bank was ceramic and had a slot in the top. And we would, and, you know, un, until years later, they came up with this little cap at the bottom. But it was, just a, it was just a solid piggy bank. And you drop your coins in and you're all excited about putting your money in it. And, and you drop money in it, you drop money in it, you drop money in it. And then, and then all of a sudden you realize one day there's something you want to buy. So you take this piggy bank and you turn it upside down and you try to shake money to get it to fall out of the slot. You try to get it to fall back through the slot. It's a little bit more difficult to get it out of the slot than it is to put it in the slot. And so you shake and you shake and you shake and you know the money's not coming out fast enough. So eventually you run somewhere and you get a hammer and you just break it so you can get the money out of it. And the truth of the matter is because there's something valuable on the inside of it. You shake it and you shake it and you shake it and you shake it trying to get what's inside out. But guess what? It won't come out. So eventually you have to get a hammer and you have to break it in order to get the valuable, the coins out of it. And so it is with God. So it is with us. God sometimes shakes us and shakes us and shakes us trying to get that good on the inside out. But it's, it's blocked by this clay. It's blocked by this clay. That's all ceramics is, it's, it's clay. It's blocked by this clay. And we are clay. We, are, we have this treasure in these earthen or clay vessels. And sometimes God shakes these clay vessels. He shakes them, he shakes them, he shakes them, and tries to get the value out of them. Until eventually he has to get a hammer and he has to break it. God will shake you and God will shake you and God will shake you and God will shake you until eventually he has to come to the place as he did Jacob where he has to break you. You know, and, 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 and listen folks, it's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. But it's to bring that good out of you. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. So my challenge to you today is just because there may be a man, remember that you very well could be wrestling with God. Let us pray. Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. Lord, thank you for allowing us to have such a close encounter with you. And you still tolerate us. You still put up with us. You still love us. You still have mercy upon us, Lord God. You still... Show us your grace and your mercy, sir. We thank you for that, Lord God. Father, I pray right now that you would just grace us and help us in whatever it is that we're facing. Help us to overcome the scars that's in our lives, the scars that's blocking the promise that you made to us even before we even knew you. The thing that you wanted to do in us even before we had a chance to get to know you. It's not a new promise. It's a promise that when you created us, you had it planned for us. Lord, I pray that we won't waste our lives, we won't waste our time trying to manipulate, trying to live and work and move and operate independently of you. I pray, Father, that when we're in a wrestling match, 
we'll, we'll always acknowledge that our opponent is greater than we are, bigger than we are, and that there's no way we can win. The only thing we can do is surrender. And that in our surrender comes our blessing. I pray, Lord, that while we're hurting, we'll keep holding on to you. And we'll keep crying out and asking you to bless us. And that we'll say, I won't let you go until you bless me. And Father, I thank you, praise you, worship you, and honor you for it. And I give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.